Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Good morning and welcome to the Magic Time Podcast. We're going to put a bow on the season, if you will, and very pleased to be joined once again as we have been all season long by the head coach and general manager of player operations. This is Joe Salerno. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Excellent, sir. Uh, great to have you on board. Glad that you're with us. Uh, I know that uh, we'd rather be talking about preparations for the NBL Canada Finals, but as is the case in the world of sports, you can't always get what you want in terms of a uh, an outcome in a series. To that end, Coach, first of all, let me congratulate you on a tremendous regular season and a really wonderful playoff run. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, I think... Uh... I think I know we'll get into this more, but I, but I think overall there was um, there's an awful lot of positives to take uh, from from this season. So um, you know, obviously would have liked to, have, you know, uh, advanced another round in, in the postseason. But um, but again, I think there were certainly more positives than, than negatives uh, for our first year here with the Magic. Well, there's no question about it, and as you said, we'll we'll get into it in a little more depth. Uh, you know, the playoffs, the Halifax series, the season in general. But uh, you know, before we move on and talk about kind of a wider range of the entire season, you know, let's go back and look at that Halifax series uh, outside of uh, Game Two, which was kind of a lopsided one for the Hurricanes. It really was a tooth and nail back and forth series. You've had a couple of days now, Coach, to kind of let it sink in and, and to reflect back. Uh, maybe what were some thoughts and what were some of your takeaways from a really hard-fought series with Halifax? Yeah, I think it was a, a hard-fought series. Um, you know, for me, I, I have to give a lot of a lot of credit to Halifax. Um, Halifax was just playing at a, at a very, very high level. Um, you know, I think every season – teams have their, their kind of highs and their lows or, or their peaks. And, and I think Halifax was, was certainly kind of peaking um, at the right time, you know, here in, in the postseason. Um, just very, very tough opponent <laughs> to, to, to play. And you really kind of needed all hands on deck <clears throat> from your team and, and to be playing, you know, at your highest level to have a chance to, to beat them in a seven-game series. Um you know, I think the the biggest thing from from the basketball standpoint, when you're talking about Halifax, was how well they shot the basketball. You know, from from three from the perimeter, that was something that was one of their kind of weaknesses over the course of the regular season. Um, you know, and I'd always said if if this team, you know, when, if they shoot the ball well from from three, they're, they're really tough to beat, and and they did that in in almost every game uh, of this series. So, you know, a lot of credit to them. They they just played ex- exceptionally well. Um, I think you saw a lot of their, their kind of core group of players, guys that had, you know, they brought eight players back from a NBL finals team last season and four or five of those guys had played with each other the season before that. So there's just a, a very, you know, tough nucleus that they're very comfortable playing with each other. And, and I think a lot of that showed, you know, um, in, in that playoff series. So you have to give a lot of, a lot of credit to them. Um, you know, from, from our standpoint, 
I think we played very well in, in a lot of spurts. Um, you know, and I think we were in, you know, at least four of the five ball games. Like I said, game two was kind of an anomaly and, and Halifax just kind of blew the, the, the doors off us that game. Um, but I don't think our guys ever, ever gave up. I think they, they competed. Um, you know, we were short manned a little bit, you know, I think missing Al Stewart for games two and three, and, and obviously we missed Anthony Cox for, uh, for game three as well. I think that hurt a little bit. Um, but, you know, like I said, we, we kind of needed our whole roster playing, you know, at the top of their game um, to, to beat that team in, in the uh, conference finals. And you talk about uh, game three in particular, because obviously in Halifax, uh, Halifax took the first two games. But game three, uh, Moncton Magic came out, a really good performance, got the win, made it a 2-1 series, and, you know, Listen, let's face it, you win game four, series tied, going back to Halifax, who knows what can happen. For you, what was, the, I mean, look, you can dissect this to the nth degree and drive yourself absolutely bonkers, but, you know, just kind of on the surface, when you look at the performance in game three and what took place, what for you might have been the biggest difference in Halifax coming back out in game four at the Coliseum, where you guys were tough all season long, but when you look at that, maybe what was the biggest difference from game three to game four in terms of you guys not being able to get that win in game four to tie the series? I think in, in game four, Halifax played with a, with a lot of urgency. You know, I, I think it's it's general human nature. I think we saw it in the St. John series. You know, when they were up 2-0, no matter what, no matter what you try to do, you're, you're going to play not with complacency, but, but I think you feel pretty comfortable. And... Uh, that obviously showed in, in game three, um, you know, game four with the, with the, the series being designed two two one one one, um, you know, I think Halifax kind of realized, wow, if these guys pick this one up, you know, game four, and, and then they have game six back here at the Coliseum, we're, we're going to be in a really tough position. And, and they, they just played extremely hard. I thought they were the more physical, more aggressive team in, in game four. Um, Granted, you know, we were still in position to win that game. We, we had a lead uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that's where you saw some of that cohesiveness that Halifax has really kind of pulling through for a, a tough playoff road win on the road, a fourth quarter comeback win. Um, you know, I think that, that played a factor in that game. But uh, the, the biggest difference between me, game three and four, is, is Halifax played with, with urgency, you know, that they certainly knew they were going to be in a tough position. Uh, the series was tied 2-2 going, going back to Halifax. You make a really interesting point because the kind of the nature of the National Basketball League of Canada is player movement. It's not a developmental league, but you get guys that come in, sometimes are looking for another opportunity, whether it's uh, in North America or a lot of times in Europe. I mean, we saw it with a couple of franchises this year with late in the season players making the decision to go and, and and try to further their career, certainly in the Middle East or in Europe. But to your point about the Halifax Hurricanes being cohesive and staying together, how big a difference, honestly, at the end of the day, do you think that makes when you can have a core group of guys that can play together over a couple of seasons? Because really the nature of the NBLC is that that's not the case. Yeah, I think it's a it's a huge benefit to have. I mean, just understanding 
players' tendencies, understanding your, your teammates' tendencies, what their roles are, you know, where, where a guy's going to be, you know, what, what uh, that type of, of chemistry. And, and don't get me wrong, I think, I think the Magic had great chemistry this year. But there's certainly a difference between a team that, that has – Halifax only played eight guys, you know, in, in four of our five games. And all eight of those guys were on their roster last year. And, I mean, that, that certainly is uh, a benefit for them, you know, but it's, it's credit to, to Halifax. They have a, a nice organization over there, and, and certainly they're a, a place where guys want to go back and play. Um, but I also think that their core group of guys, a lot of them are at the, the peaks of, of their kind of career. They're in their prime. You know, I think Billy White is, is right now in one of the years of, of his prime playing as a professional. I think Tyrone Watson is. I think Antoine Mason is. Uh, I think Mike Poole is. I think Taquan Zimmerman is coming into his prime. You know, so I, I think it was just kind of a, a bit of a perfect storm with that team, and I think they realized they had a great group of guys. Um, you know, they have a, a, a very good coach. They have a, a great city to play in. And it's just kind of made the recipe for guys wanting to come back and, and compete for another, you know, shot at a championship. So um, it's, a, it's a big benefit to have no doubt when you have players returning, good players returning, you know, your core group of guys uh, returning, it, it certainly puts, uh, puts opponents at a disadvantage. Now, certainly there was no quit in the Moncton Magic at all. Uh, going back to Halifax, down three games to one, certainly a tall order, but uh, the team afforded themselves well in that game five, eventually uh, succumbing to the Halifax Hurricanes in five games. Just, you know, for you, coach, for the guys on the sideline, you and your coaching staff and the players, just what was it like? What was the mood like? I mean, obviously it's disappointing, but, you know, maybe just kind of relay what that emotion was like, not immediately at the end, but just a little bit after in the locker room when the guys know that, you know, they're packing up their stuff for the last time in the season. What was that mood like? It's difficult. I mean, a lot of guys... Like I said, you know, we came here and we had, we had championship aspirations. Um, I think we all feel that, that we were a team good enough to compete for a championship in this league. Um, you know, so, I mean, there was obviously a feeling of, of disappointment, but I think there was also a feeling of some pride in that locker room. I think a lot of guys know that, that you know, they left it out there. Um, you know, I talked to Terry Thomas for a little while, you know, probably an hour or so after the game, and, and – um, Terry's usually a guy who can take losses pretty hard. And, um, you know, he wasn't too, too down. I mean, he was obviously upset that we lost. He knew we, we had a shot this year. This is the, the second year in a row that, that Terry and I have, have lost in a, in a conference final. Um, but he said, he said, you know, coach, I, I, I left it all out there, man. You know, like I, 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 I played as hard as I could tonight and, and, um, it was it was refreshing to hear, you know, him, uh, you know, kind of have that thought in his head that, like, listen, I, I played as hard as I could, and at the end of the day, that's all you can really ask for in your players. And, you know, sometimes the, the ball goes in. You know, sometimes you, you get a call or you don't get a call, and, and a lot of those things can, can play a factor, especially in, you know, single-digit wins or losses. So, um, you know, it was it was a tough mood, but, but it wasn't, you know, guys weren't, angry with each other they they weren't you know upset at the at the the game or the organization or 
you know, I think they were, they were disappointed they lost and, and that's an okay feeling to have. Um, but I also think that they, they knew for the most part, they gave it everything they, they had. And, um, and you know, that, that's something to be, to be proud of, even at the professional level. Now, coach, I'm going to drop a cliche on you. Uh, don't get mad at me when I do it, but I, I got to. <laughs> There's an adage in sports. I love using adages, Coach. You probably know that by now. But you hear it all the time, and and I tend to believe it's true because I've followed sports my entire life. And the saying is, for any championship caliber team, you got to lose before you can win, or you've got to lose to learn how to win. Of course, you don't know exactly what the Moncton Magic are going to look like next season but that experience of going through the playoffs and the highs and the lows how much can that help a group how much can that help you and your coaching staff prepare for the next step I mean it can certainly help a team you know if you have a core group of players back um you know I mean coaches listen I mean I've you know I've been to five conference finals in seven years now so I mean you could say you, you learn from it um and and you do I mean it, it obviously adds some fuel to the fire um but at the end of the day it's a 40 game regular season and you know that fuel can only only last so long I think if you have a core group of players that return it can certainly settle in with them and you know, kind of resonate more with them at when the playoffs roll around next year, you know, and, and you, you learn from your mistakes. And, you know, I had said to the newspaper and a couple other media outlets, there were a few games that I don't think we did play as hard as we needed to, or at least not everyone on our roster um, for, for 48 minutes. And you have to do that in the postseason. So, I mean, that's something that, that I would certainly remind a, a core group of players if we were able to bring them back next year. So, you know, I definitely think you can learn from your mistakes. Um, you know, I've said a few times this season, and I believe it, you know, there really isn't such a thing as losing. There's winning and there's learning. And, and you know, you, you're only going to win if you do learn from, from those losses. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can from this. I, you know, hope we have a, a large number of these guys back next season. And it, and it can help us um, in the postseason. Because obviously – you know, it it, uh, it helped Halifax, you know, did have a core group of guys. And, and this is that organization's third straight trip to the finals, you know, where they have one win and one loss. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with them this year. And maybe, Coach, uh, I'll just get you to comment on something that I I tweeted out at the end of the, the Halifax-Moncton series, and I meant it sincerely. And, and basically my uh, – thoughts or feelings that I wanted to relay was, and I, and I meant it wholeheartedly and sincerely was that I watched this team go through a playoff series against the St. John Riptide, a provincial rival battle of the five Oh six, as it was dubbed. And then going up against Halifax, of course you and, and coach Mike Leslie know each other. Well, Halifax and Moncton, certainly geographic rivals and, and uh, had had epic battles all season long, but the level of respect and intensity that I saw in the St. John Moncton series and the Halifax Moncton series, even though Moncton was eliminated by Halifax, I had such a good feeling about the hard-nosed, tough play, but also the level of respect that I saw both on and off the court. Maybe just if you would, Coach, how did you see that, and what was that like from your point of view? 
Yeah, I mean, guys are going to compete, especially in the playoffs. You know, it's very similar to the NBA. It's a, it's a different level of intensity when it, when it comes to the postseason. Um, you know, obviously you're narrowing your league down from 10 teams to eight teams that make the playoffs. And then you narrow it down from 14, you know, eight teams to four teams and then four teams to two teams. So, I mean, you know, the, the cream of the crop rises in um, it, it's just, yeah, sure. It's absolutely a, a mutual level of respect. And there's a very, you know, fine line, you know, between competitive juices and, and respect. And I think, I think both teams walked it well. And, and obviously I think it was a, a great series with, with St. John. And, and I think, you know, they, we had a tough time with them in the regular season. They were a bit of a tough matchup for us. And, you know, we actually had a better record against Halifax. So uh, St. John certainly had our respect coming into that series. And I think we gained even more respect for them once they came back from, from 2-0, you know, down. Um, you know, obviously Halifax is uh, defending Atlantic Division champs. So you, you have respect for them. You know what they're capable of doing. And, and um, you know, we have a good group of guys. We have a mature group of guys that, you know, there, there isn't going to be any kind of foolishness or, or nasty stuff. It's it's going to be a hard level of competition. And, um, yeah, once that series was over, there, there really was nothing but respect. There was a lot of good luck wishes uh, from our guys to, to Halifax. And, um, you know, a lot of kind of mutual words of respect and return from Halifax. So it's always, uh, it's always nice to see. Well, it definitely was. And so we'll move on from that playoff experience Let's look at the season overall, Coach, because it's worth keeping in sight the fact that this version of a professional basketball team in Moncton is a brand new version. Yes, there was a franchise there for a number of years before, but the Moncton Magic started over from scratch, if you will. New ownership. Of course, you came on board as the head coach and the general manager of player operations, but in essence, right from the name, the logo, the colors, up to assembling the team, this was a team built from scratch. So as you sit here now, looking at what the team accomplished both on and off the court, what are some things that come to your mind in terms of summing up this season, right from the beginning, right to where we are now? Well, like I said, I think there was there was a lot of positives this season. Um, you know, I think we certainly established ourselves as, as a different brand, as a, as a new brand here in the, the local community of, of Moncton you know, the greater Moncton area, um, you know, that was very important. I think for us to kind of establish new relationships in the, in the business community, um, obviously reaching out to, to new fans, which I know we did this season, you know, our fan base, um, you know, in ticket sales from, from game one to, to game 25 at home grew by 50% this season, which was just a phenomenal number. Um, you know, those were very important things and it's certainly highlights for us this season. I think, um, I believe we had the best home record in, in the NBL Canada. I'm, I'm pretty sure we did. You know, we went 19 and six at home this year. And, and that wasn't something I talked about, you know, much publicly this year, but that was one of my top priorities and goals this season was to have a, a great home record as we try to grow that fan base, it's very important that our fans, you know, see us win, <laughs> you know, they, they see it's a winning product on the floor. And I think that that certainly helped with, with growing our, our fan base and ticket sales. So that was, was obviously a, a, a very big, you know, kind of win and very big positive for, for us this season. Um, 
And then I, I think, you know, we, we did two more very important things. I think we established a, a great reputation with our players in the local community. Um, you know, we were out there a lot, whether it was, it was, we did a resiliency tour, uh, with schools where, where myself and players would go to uh, a lot of schools here in Moncton and, and speak about, you know, being resilient. Um, we had a great relationship with the YMCA and some of their local programs there. And, and we just did a lot of things like that, that again, I, I think kind of established a reputation in the community as far as our players go. And, and these are, these are great role models. Um, and then lastly, you know, it was very important for, for the magic to, kind of become a destination in the NBL Canada where, where players would want to come play. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the city of Moncton had that with the previous team that was here. You know, I, now word gets around very quick amongst players in this league and in basketball. The basketball world is very small. And I think the way that these guys were, were treated on and off the court and, and being in the position to be successful, that word travels quickly. And, and already I've received a lot of messages from players who played in the NBL Canada this season and, and you know, they, they want to come play here next year. And, and that was certainly a priority of ours to, again, make this a place that some of the league's top players want to come and play, which, you know, these are all great things and all things where I say, you know, the positives outweigh the negatives and, um, you know, very proud of, of a lot of these, these feats this season. Well, it's funny, uh, you know, I follow a lot of the guys from the Magic uh, on social media, those that are pretty active on social media, and there's a couple of them for sure. Uh, Al Stewart jumps to mind most definitely, as does uh, B.J. Brent Jennings. But to your point, Coach, it was interesting in the last couple of days just seeing some of these guys as they go back to their various homes and, you know, Al back in Chicago and B.J. back surprising his son at school and, and stuff like that. But the comments that the players are making – is exactly what you're saying, how incredible it was to play for you and the coaching staff and for the ownership group and, and all of the team management and the city of Moncton and, and how they were made to feel so at home and so welcome. And the, the overriding term is very professional. You said that it was a priority, but when you start to see the blueprint that you had on paper – basically become executed and, and come to terms in real life. How does that make you feel? Oh, it, makes, it makes you feel great. You know, it makes you feel great that, that your players were, were well taken care of, um, you know, that, that they felt this was a, a class act organization. Um, you know, when, when, you, when you're able to work in, in a, a healthy environment, you know, every, everybody is that much better. Everybody wants to come to work every day. And, and I thought we had that this season. You know, I always felt we were providing that to our players, you know, but to hear that at the end of the season that, you know, they did love playing here, it's it's, it's rewarding and, and you, you really, it makes you feel good. Um, you know, I conducted uh, exit interviews with, with every single one of our players on um, on Monday and um, there the really was just positive comment after positive comment. And, and that was important you know we also received some great feedback on some guys and where where we could have improved and and um you know so so again it it just it was a, a nice ending um it was a good feeling it was a good feeling to hear these guys comments you know about this organization and the nature that they did 
And that brings me to the fact that, of course, the season ends. Players have got to pack up their stuff, and you know they're they're from a variety of locations uh, for the most part, right across North America. You know they've they've got to head back to their various lives and carry on. But you've been this you've been through this before, coach. I mean, you've been coaching a long time at a lot of different levels, but you almost become you know yes, you're their coach, but you you form bonds and and you know friendships to an extent with these players. The last couple of days after the exit interviews are done, but as you're seeing all of these players kind of pack up and, and head back off to their various locations to resume their off-season lives, what's kind of the emotional roller coaster that you go through? And what's the adjustment like for you? It's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you, you spend every day with these guys for, for six months, right? And um, some of these guys, it's been numerous years, so you, you become even even closer with them and – uh you know, but I think our, our season wrap-up, you know, kind of party that, that we had or reception that we had for fans, um, you know, we, we John took the, the, the whole team out to dinner after that reception, and it was, it was a, a really, really nice time, and, and there was a lot of laughs, and we, we had a lot of stories, and, um, you know, it was a really nice way to, to kind of say goodbye, you know, not even goodbye, just we'll, we'll see you soon, um, but it can be tough. The adjustment's tough, and... Um, you know, I always find that the first two weeks after the season is is always the most difficult. You know, I've, I've been a little distracted this week, as you know, with all the, the birthdays in my house, which I'm sure we'll chat about. But uh, it, it, it can be it can be difficult. Uh, you do form relationships with guys. But at the same time, like you were saying, you see so many of these guys making posts on their, their social media, on their Instagrams and Facebook pages about them going home. And, and, and that makes you smile. You know, it is difficult for them to be away from their families have been and, and to kind of see them back in their natural habitat and, and with family and friends uh, certainly eases a little bit of pain um, knowing that, that you guys are, are happy to be home. And, um, you know, so, so it's all good. You know, we'll, we'll see all those guys again for sure. Um, and, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see them soon enough. So coach, before we move on and talk about uh, the off season strategy and, and what the off season is, is going to be like for you, when you look back at the last several months, including even before the season, even before you really had a roster formed, and now you look where you are now, what would be for you one really big positive surprise that you didn't expect to happen or you hoped it would happen, but you weren't sure if it would? But when you kind of look at everything, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but what's a really big positive surprise that you're going to take away from this inaugural season for the Magic? Well, as you were asking me the question, I was thinking from a, a personal standpoint. So I, I, I could probably answer that. I don't know yeah, on the spot as far as the, yeah. So I, I, I just remember, you know, last oh boy, it probably would have been late May or 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 early June um, when I was interviewing with with a few different NBL Canada teams. Um, you know, when I walked out of my first interview with the Magic. I, I just had this overwhelming sense that these guys were going to do things the right way, that they were going to do everything they could to put a winning team on the floor. And, you know, I, I really, when I walked out of that very first interview, I, I knew this was kind of the place that I wanted to come. And, 
after the second interview, I, you know, I, I, it was cemented that this is where I wanted to go. But, but I guess not a surprise, but it, it was exactly what I, what I thought it would be. Um, and, and that's a great feeling. You know, I anticipated a great ownership group, um, a, a great management team that were going to do everything they could to put our players in a position to win games. And, and as a coach, you can't ask for much more than that. And, uh, again, I, I just remember that feeling when I walked out of, uh, out of that first interview and, and again, all that came to fruition and, and it was kind of exactly what I had envisioned when it, when it came to the team. Um, so I, I think that was again, not a surprise, but probably the, the most pleasant kind of feeling when you look all the way back to before this season started. And I'm just, you know, I'm very happy that I, that I made the right decision when, you know, when it comes to my career, uh, working for a great organization and, and for my family and everything like that. Um, that's probably what came to mind as, as you were asking me the, the question. Well, it certainly makes sense. And I know having uh, followed you and gotten to know you all season long, it really seems that uh, Moncton was the place that you were destined to be. Okay, you're the coach. And for now, at least, your day-to-day coaching duties, so to speak, are, are kind of put on the back burner. But you're also the general manager of player operations and even a coach. Uh, there really is no off-season. So I know that it, you know you obviously want to take some time to decompress. We'll get into uh, the Salerno birthday week <laughs> in just a little bit. But uh, what is the off-season like for you, and, and when do you kind of sink your teeth back into it and get the ball rolling toward 2018-2019? Um, pretty quickly. You know, it, it's the other reason why the, the first two weeks after the season is so difficult for me is the, the transition from, you know, constantly being turned on. Your mind is, is constantly on, you know, thinking about your next opponent or your next practice or your next film session. I mean, there really isn't, you don't punch out, you know, you, you never do during the season ever um, because you can always, always be improving or always planning for, for your next opponent. Um, you know, it's hard for me to slow down <laughs> the, the first two weeks. Um, but I, I attempt to, I really try hard to, I, I, I really try to, spend a lot more time at, at home, you know, the first couple of weeks after the season, I try to completely put the 2017, 18 season on the, on the back burner. Um, once I complete the, you know, exit interviews and, you know, we'll do some kind of <clears throat> department reviews, you know, once I, I kind of finalize all those things and, and, and get the players on their planes and, and you get the apartments taken care of and, and all of those things, then I, I try to just, just be home for a couple of weeks. And, and just kind of relax. Um, there certainly is a lot of kind of home improvement projects. I, I know my wife has probably been waiting for me to get to, which which I'm looking forward to. The honeydew. Um, what's that? The honeydew list. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have a, a bit of a list right now, which is good because it takes my mind off of basketball. Um, but then you know you, you start you start reviewing your season. You, you will go back and. And literally watch almost every game. Um, you'll kind of start. I always start and I watch, you know, probably three of our first five games. And then I'll watch three of our next five games. And you, you kind of try to find the flow of, of, of was your team getting better? You know, what was working well? What wasn't? Um, how your team adapted and changed? And, and um, you kind of note things from there. Um, 
and then you, you really kind of start looking at the recruiting team. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be heading to, uh, to Houston, uh, at the end of the month, actually the, the 30th, 29th and 30th, I'll, I'll be heading down there. Um, so it starts pretty quick, you know, that you start looking for some of those, you know, holes that you need to fill from, from this year's team, all in kind of anticipation of who you may be bringing back or, or who you, who you can bring back. Um, so it will be steady communication with, with our guys, the players that we want to see return next season, trying to have a, a good idea of whether they will be back or not as you're out on the recruiting trail and, um, you know, looking to, to sign new players. So there really isn't a whole lot of time off, but um, I'll certainly take a, a week or two, you know, here in May before, uh, before that first recruiting trip. And as you move beyond the next couple of weeks and kind of ramp up, into that uh, off-season phase, recruiting phase. I know it's really early after the end of the season and the next season a couple of months away and, and a lot of the things can transpire. But what right now, as I sit here and ask you this question, what would be priority one for you in terms of from what you want to do on a personnel or on a coaching side for this Moncton Magic team? What is priority one, Coach? Priority one is... is is the best that I can try to get a feel for, are we going to get the players back that, that we want? Um, you know, if I know, for an example, if I know, or I have a very good feeling that, that Corey Allman and, you know, Jason Calise will be back next season. I can kind of cross off the list. We need a knockdown shooter. You know, I, you can kind of cross that off the list. Um, you know, if I know, you know, Al Stewart and Anthony Anderson will be back, then, then it's, you know, I'm probably not looking at too many point guards when I, when I go to Texas there in a couple of weeks. So the, the priority for me, and, and it's hard because it, it just doesn't happen yet. You, you just don't get a confirmed answer from a guy as you shouldn't, because, you know, you want these guys to, to continue to progress in their career and, and go after what they want. Now, a lot of guys said they want to come back to Moncton next season. Um, but anything can happen. You know, my, my priority right now is to, to try to get that feel from our players um, as I review our 17-18 season and, and kind of determine what we were lacking. So trying to identify exactly what I'm looking for when you start the recruiting process. I mean, I think that's, that's priority one uh, when it comes to the, the basketball. Well, kind of good news as well for uh, myself, the Magic Time podcast, but most definitely the best news of all for uh, fans of the Moncton Magic and of the NBL. Uh, Before we came on, I did confirm with you, Coach, uh, that we are going to uh, continue the Magic Time podcast through the offseason. Of course, it won't be a weekly affair. It won't be as often, but it would be great to be able to have you uh, back on periodically just to kind of give us an update about maybe some newsworthy things that are going on, catch up uh, with you, the personal life, see uh, how your dad is doing and if he's still got the Fisher-Price whiteboard on the go. But it's going to be great. I'm glad that we still got a few minutes left today, but I'm glad, Coach, that we're going to be able to continue the Magic Time podcast through the off season, just to keep the fans engaged. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, exciting things that happen. I mean, especially in the, the, the later summer months, um, you know, when you, when you do start signing some players and, and things of that nature, but, uh, you know, absolutely want to continue to keep our fan base informed. Um, 
they were just so great, you know, all year. And, and I probably haven't mentioned them enough in, in this, uh, this podcast, but, um, you know, as supportive as a group as, as you can find in this league and, um, very loyal fans. Right. So, so I'd love to do everything I can to, to continue to keep them informed over the course of the summer and, and give them updates on, on what the team's looking like and, and kind of what we're up to. And, um, so yeah, no, excited to, to continue, uh, the podcast. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to your phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to be popping up on your phone all summer, Coach. I know, right? I, that's all right, Scott. I, I don't I don't mind it at all. Probably the biggest shock is going to be when I show up on your patio one day and you and Darcy are there with the kids, and I'm like, hey, I brought the burgers. When do we start the barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? That'd be fine with me, too. <laughs> Nothing like putting you on the spot. <laughs> 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 that's all right i'm used to it scott to that end coach uh you know we've certainly got to know one another uh you know over the course of the season uh both on or in the arena and away from it these podcasts have have been so much fun not only um from a basketball and an operation standpoint but some of the chats that we have about things pretty much other than basketball you know uh, whether it's stories about your kids, about your dad, about your folks, about your time at Vermont or or uh, Montpellier, all of that good stuff. So let's get into a little bit of uh, the Salerno family life. You know, we we'll keep you for a couple more minutes, Coach. But it uh, it wasn't very long uh, after the end of your season that uh, the reality of being a dad and the family life came right to the forefront. With I believe no less than three Salerno birthdays in the last week? Yeah, three three Salerno birthdays in, in the last six days. And to give you an idea of, of how quick, you know, I had to transition from, from a game five loss to dad, you know, it's, it's my birthday tomorrow. I got back from Halifax at probably 1.30 uh, in the morning uh, the night after the game in of course, that was Saturday night, Sunday morning. I mean, my, in Camden, his birthday, his eighth birthday was Sunday. Um, some of a couple of his birthday presents were in my my vehicle, which was parked at the arena. So when I got home, you know, I had kind of realized this, and I'm, you know, my wife had left me a very pleasant note reminding me uh, of this. So I was actually wrapping birthday presents at about 2 a.m. on my dining room table <laughs> the night after our, our game five loss uh, in preparation for, for Camden's, uh, you know, birthday the next day. So, yes, it happened happened very quickly. Nothing like the reality of family life <laughs> and being a parent to uh, wipe away whatever things are going on in the professional life. Right, Coach? Yeah, well, the reality of it wasn't so much wrapping the presents at, at 2 a.m., it was being, you know, woken up at about 6.30 a.m. by Camden, excited for his birthday. That's when the true parenthood reality really uh, really kicked in. So now you had, you had Cam's birthday, and then your wife Darcy's birthday, and then I saw a very adorable picture on social media today. I'm a dad of two daughters, so I know exactly how your heartstrings are tugged at, Coach. But... Uh, your little one, Alex, turning five today. Uh, Coach, just how tightly does she have you wound around her finger? 
people would be shocked at, at uh, how bad it really is. Um, I think a lot of people see me, for the most part, just maybe screaming at officials or stomping my foot, walking up and down a sideline. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to Alex, she she has it pretty good. And, and, and for the most part, she kind of gets away when it comes to dad. And, and uh, yeah, it's bad, Scott. I, I won't uh, – I won't sugarcoat it at all. She's got me wrapped pretty good. But, um, you know, like I said, I think on my, my Instagram post this morning, you know, she, she makes me smile, you know, easier than probably anybody. And, uh, yes, five years old today. Pretty pretty remarkable. She's been waiting to use all five of those fingers for a long time to, uh, you know, describe her age to people. So it's it's been a good week. Camden's uh, birthday yeah, Sunday, Darcy's was Tuesday, and, and then Alex, of course, is today. Um, and we have a, a joint birthday party for them on Saturday. So it's just uh, it's a true full week of, of uh, balloons and, and birthday cake at the Salerno household. I was going to say, Coach, uh, you're, you're going to have a, uh, a fine time. It's going to be a sugar rush for, uh, for Coach Joe and, and uh, the Salernos. Yeah, it, it is, man. It, it's, you know, in – of course, all three of them have different cakes, and you know it, it's just the, the fridge is just full right now, and, and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been quite the show, and I, I you know I get to do this for the rest of my life, right? So I'm I'm trying to trying to accept it and and uh, understand the first week of May is is, uh, is going to be a big party for for a long time. So uh, May Day brings a whole new meaning to you. It's it's May week, first week away. Well, certainly. Uh, we want to wish a very happy birthday, belated, of course, to Cam and to Darcy, but certainly a, a big special happy birthday to Alex as she turns five today. Coach, uh, you got to wait a bit for your birthday, uh, not till the end of the year, correct? Yeah, December, December, uh, December first. So I'm, uh, I'm a little ways away. Even the even the dog has a birthday before before me. So uh, the, the kids like to kind of tease me about that. They think it's really funny that you know my birthday isn't until December. So, uh, yeah, I got to wait a little while, but, but that's all right. That's all right. I actually, for the next six months, I'm, um, you know, I kind of give the gears to my wife because I'm actually six months younger than her. Um, so I try to take full, full advantage of that. As you should, no question about it. <laughs> well, coach, uh, listen, uh, I know that we've let the fans know that the podcast, uh, is going to continue over the off season, but, Certainly during the regular season, uh, really appreciate you coming on each and every week, regardless of your schedule or whether it was a win or a loss or what was going on. I certainly appreciate that. Before we wrap up here, as this is a 2017-2018 season wrap for the Magic Time podcast in terms of the regular season and playoffs, I just want to give the floor to you, Coach, to maybe... You know, final words, final thoughts, uh, anything that you'd like to wrap up with here, just to kind of, uh, as I like to say, tie a bow on 2017-2018. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think what we were able to accomplish this season as an organization, and that's everybody. I mean, that that's everybody from, you know, our, our nutritionist, Ali Manship, to our, our physiotherapy group with, with Johnny Gonzalez, you know, to you and, and, and Dave Tingley, you know, with with our, our broadcasts and our podcasts and, and, and uh, you know, Dave's kind of weekly, uh, you know, kind of columns that he writes, uh, game previews. You know, I, I think we have improved professional basketball in, in Moncton. 
and I, I think everyone, you know, that I just mentioned, let alone many more I could mention, uh, of course, John Manship, Mike Story, uh, Kent Wallace, you know, um, everybody from Crandall University, the YMCA, everybody that, that's had a, a hand in this, you know, everyone has had a part in improving professional basketball in Moncton. And, and I think when you ultimately look back at a first-year team coming into Moncton with the Magic, that ultimately w- was the goal, right? To 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 have a, a better pro team here in Moncton and, and continue to try to grow basketball and, and grow our fan base. And, and I think when you look back at it, that's, that's certainly what we all accomplished. Um, and that really was a true team effort. Um, from a basketball standpoint, Surely, you know, I think we, we have laid a foundation. And in your first year, I think that's a very important thing to do. We've laid a foundation um, as far as establishing a professional setting for players to come and play. You know, we had a great group of players this season that we could potentially have a, a core group come back for next season. You know, we, we've set a bar um as to to what we want to do in the National Basketball League of Canada and and all of those things to me that that's again laying a foundation uh for an organization so i think you know we accomplished that goal and you know now it's it's just looking to improve on it and you know i think in a nutshell i, I kind of look at this season is is uh it was a season of of accomplishments when it comes to establishing the Moncton Magic. And again, an awful lot of people had a, had a big hand in that. It wasn't just the players and coaches. Um, again, it was, it was guys such as yourself and Dave. And, and um, you know, and that's a good feeling. So I, I think we have people excited about basketball in Moncton. I think we have players excited about potential opportunities to play in Moncton. Um, and, and for me, you know, other than an NBL championship this year, I don't think we could have asked for much more. So, uh, you know, I'm happy with the season. I'm, I'm proud of what we've done in year one. Uh, certainly we'll look to improve on, on all this in, in year two. And, um, you know, that that's kind of, I guess, my final thoughts on, on the season. Very well said indeed, Coach. And I know for me, on a personal note, first of all, thank you for the kind words. It's been a blast. Uh, certainly working alongside Dave and getting to know you and all the players Definitely the most fun that I've ever had uh, doing play-by-play for a team. So thank you for that. And we'll uh, let you now go off. You'll enjoy, of course, I'm sure, birthday cake uh, today. But have a great time at the uh, joint birthday party on the weekend, Coach. We'll keep in touch and uh, look forward to having you back on in uh, the coming weeks uh, and throughout the offseason to kind of uh, keep the Moncton Magic fans, as well as myself, up to date on any newsworthy happenings in your world and the Salerno family, and of course, with the Moncton Magic and the organization. And again, Coach, thanks very much, and enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Yes, I will, and thank you, Scott, very much uh, for the season. And uh, you just did a, you did a great job, and, and I always enjoy uh, these podcasts, win or lose, um, sleep or no sleep. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's always a, a good time. So. Uh, Thanks again for everything you've done for us this year. And, uh, you know, absolutely look forward to talking with you again. And, um, you know, maybe we'll hook up here after uh, after our first trip to, to Houston. Sounds good, sir. All the best to you. And have a great trip to Houston. Safe travels. And uh, hope some uh, great and fun things happen for you down there. Okay, that sounds great, Scott. Thanks again.
You're very welcome. Take care and give my best to all the Salernos, not only in your household, but the extended Salernos as well. Will do. All right. Take care. Thank you. That was Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. want to thank him very much for joining us all season long on the Magic Time Podcast. And fear not, Magic fans and fans of the National Basketball League of Canada. As we mentioned in this podcast, the Magic Time Podcast will continue throughout the off-season. We'll keep you up to, de- up to date via my social media outlets on Twitter, Facebook, and otherwise as to what the schedule is. But again, Magic Time Podcast continues through the off-season. The Moncton Magic fans are important to us, and we want you to know what's going on leading up to the start of the 2018-2019 season. And you know what, fans? It's not that far away. Take care. Have a great day. I'm Scott Squires. And remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media. 